What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 133, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 7, Episode 1, Fallen! Fallen! Oh, so fun. We're an independent podcast, friends. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. I'm sorry, I can't. So I'm leaving this in. About 15 seconds ago, I gestured wildly, threw every single cord that I owned into disarray, lost the sound to like three of my things, was puzzled about what happened. Zach was still with me, thank goodness. Indeed, I said, I'm still here. I can pick it up. I said I could just start over again, and I tried to, and, and here I am, and now I'm just confessing, confessing all this stuff. But hey, this is what uh, makes this podcast great, along with you all. That's helped support the show. We've got tiers and privileges. Thank you so much for those of you who support the show. We really, really appreciate that. The tiers and privileges, uh, Zach will tell us a little bit more in a bit, but one of the privileges that you get is the Patreon-first content. Uh, we do a number of uh, like spin-off podcasts uh, on Patreon. Zach and I were just... Uh, uh, Zach and I were just talking about uh, how difficult it is to schedule this stuff now because we're normal people with normal lives. And uh, we got a lot of stuff that we are committed to doing because we said we would do it. And also it's just fun. But um, yeah, there's there's things in the, the real life and there's all sorts of... Anyway, lots going on. But the Patreon first uh, uh, podcast that we do, we've got uh, The Other Side of the Gate where Zach and David talk about spoilery things. I think if I remember right, you two are cooking up uh, episode nine. Something uh, is in the cooker. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, need to. Uh, we, we've got a ways to go before we can get there, but we're we got something in the cooker. Good. And then uh, Zach and I, we have uh, Stargate Second Chances, where based off of your votes, we rewatch certain episodes. We've got three that we have to do because oh boy. three yeah. episodes popped all at once. Um, but uh, that's a lot of fun where we go back and take a listen or we take a watch of an episode again and then we re- briefly talk about it one more time. And sometimes our ratings change and sometimes they don't. And uh, that's fun to kind of go through that. Uh, and then also Zach and I have Stargate Infinity. We lost a bet. That is the Infinity Watch po- po- podcast that we do uh, based off of a certain like stretch goal that we had that y'all are doing Real good work, keeping us <laughs> beyond that stretch goal. <laughs> Indeed. We are watching episodes. We've only done one so far. We got a second one, uh, I think, on the calendar right now. And, uh, you know, episode two, yes, of, of yep. the non-canon animated series that was aired in 2002 or something like that, um, or thereabouts. And, uh, yeah, that one, episode one, we had a good time. Uh, I won't spoil how we felt about it, but, uh, you know. It, having a fun time is really what counts. Is that not really the point, Zach? You know, it, it, it is absolutely the, the point. That's right. That's right. Uh, especially when you're talking about a, a cartoon from a while ago. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and as many of you have undoubtedly noticed, uh, we have been dropping these episodes in our main feed all through December, but for a couple of original things that we did. But that's mainly because we wanted to take a break. And so we decided to release these episodes on our main feed, which is a commitment that we have made as well. So yeah, Patreon supporters get this stuff first, but everyone does get it eventually. So uh, we will always be putting this stuff on the main feed as time goes on. And if someone in your life wants a little bit more Stargate podcast 
content, uh, of which there is a bounty, but uh, there's only one where we're the hosts, and that's what matters. Um, they, you can you tell go. them that they can find Walking Through the Stargate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and on Google Podcasts and their favorite podcast aggregators. Uh, and if they can't find us, there's probably a decent reason for that. Mainly, I am a curmudgeon. Uh, that is that is a fact, but they'll be able to find us most of the places that you can find a podcast. So there they go. Uh, Zach, if a person yes. wants to get a hold of us and yes. lets us know that um, next time I make a gaff off air or on air and I just snip it out, like I don't need to, I don't need to come back and just like admit to everything. I could just pretend like we are professionals doing professional things, like professionals do. Right? Uh, how might they reach out to uh, let us know that we could just be pros and not so. If you Babble. believe that we are professionals and you mm-hmm. need to give us some advice on how to do professional things, <laughs> then you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is exactly as it's spelled, so you know yes. that, I know that. Uh, you can just do that. Uh, or you can go to our Twitter account, at Stargate Walking, and mm-hmm. at us there or whatever. I don't know. I don't really do Twitter. so But whatever it is, that's Close where enough. it is. It's at Stargate Walking. <laughs> Uh, the Facebooks, we've got Walking Through the Stargate, we've got a Facebook page, we've got a Facebook group, so go ahead and join the Facebook group, uh, like and subscribe or whatever it is that you do to the Facebook pages and all that stuff, and I know that they change things up on the groups, so I don't really, whatever it is, do this, smash the things! Smash the things, we don't know what they are, it doesn't matter, engage with the algorithm to let the algorithm know that, that you like our things, because that's what matters, that's what matters. And, of course, you can go to our website, WTTS.space. Space. Or go to Discord. Uh, we have a Discord channel. Is that what they're called? They're called channels? Server. Sure. Uh, whatever it is. We have Discord. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you go to our website, which is WTTS.space. Space. Uh, that'll give you some information about how to get onto our Discord and all that stuff. And join us yep. there and have fun conversations there. Yeah. And, of course, Patreon. Uh, uh dot com slash walking through the stargate we've got mm-hmm. several tiers we've got a j- gate joggers at three and a gate sprinter at 10 and a gate marathoner at 25 and mm-hmm. it gets bigger than that if you really want to support us like that uh you get different votes and and cool things like that um and all of that so in addition to stargate infinity we lost a bet which is coming out as soon as we can get it recorded we've got it on our calendar uh we'll be doing some second chances episode we've got children of the gods coming up forever in a day Mm -hmm. and beneath Mm -hmm. the surface yeah holy smokes you guys voted and and now we have a a lot of stuff to do um it is our plan our goal to get one bonus podcast out a month so we're gonna do this the best we can um and uh, if things get uh, backlogged, we will review and reset things as needed. But that's our plan. Yes. So. Yes. And also, you know, we, we Zach and I were talking about it briefly. And though we don't have a, like a solid like plan right now, one thing that we definitely have is a desire to do right by people. So like we'd let you know and we would grandfather in things. You know what I mean? Like we if we made major changes to a thing, we'd, we'd honor some past agreements and then we would then cross the threshold into the new thing, whatever that might be. So yeah, you'll see it yeah. coming long way away, you know, but just so you know, just, cause you know, I can already hear people's hearts starting to beat faster as the, the, the anxiety hits. We're not planning to change anything right now. Oh no, and nothing's no, no. changing. No, we're, we're, we're both planners. And so we're looking at this going, well, that's, 
three months worth of second chances right there and infinity's going fine so that's a lot of content that we're doing and we got second chances that are uh uh other side, uh, of, the other side of the gate yeah that uh that 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 we had thing have planned and we've got like secret secrets that we don't want to reveal right now that like are also in the we got a lot going on so it is so on the discords <laughs> our executive producer type person david has <laughs> yes. uh uh has uh revealed that uh, there are some special things that are in the works uh one right around the corner the other mm-hmm. one you, know, you got to turn a couple of corners before you get to but it's That's in the right. works uh that are kind of cool and special things so we will uh, keep you in the loop as those things come out yes that gives you uh an incentive to go join us on discord if you haven't already oh man it's it's it's, it's where the cool kids are uh well uh, you Sure. I mean, th- that's why I'm not there very often. I get no, it No, you're there. You're there. Well, hardly ever. I you're, mean, that's what my name says on there. I'm hardly ever there. <laughs> oh, Discord. I like Discord. Discord. Well, currently. Give it, give it a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, shall we dig into this episode of Fallen? Yes, let's get into it. All right. So, this episode is directed by Martin Wood. Martin has uh, sort of a tradition now, um, uh, and I haven't looked, uh, of like basically doing the first and the last episodes of every season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is no exception to that. Um, he has seven directing credits this season, uh, and this is the first of them. The teleplay for this episode is by Robert C. Cooper. We've heard that mm-hmm. name lots and lots of times. Yep. This is his first of five writing credits this season. However, in addition to that, he does also have a story credit. So if in the future, and I forget that I split those up and I just say six, one out of six, you know, that's, now you know why. There you go. There you go. Yes. Um, guest actors. We've got lots of guest actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first and foremost is that Corin Nemec is guest acting this week uh, as Jonas Quinn. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Ouch! Uh, you know, well, it, it <sighs> is what it is. So it is can, what it is. It is what it is. Um, we also have David Palfi playing Anubis, uh-huh. uh, Vince Cristejo as Yu Huang Shang-Ti, uh-huh. Lord of the Systems. Uh, we have Michael Adam Thwaite as Harak. Harak. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, you're, yeah, we have Terrell Rothery as Dr. Janet Frazier. Gary yeah. Jones as Sergeant Walter Radar Harriman. Yeah. We have Eric Brecker playing Colonel Reynolds returning again. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, we have Johanna Newmarch who plays the Tokra Sina. Uh, mm-hmm. We actually heard her name for the first time, I think, in Prophecy, just a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we have George... Uh, uh, Tuliatos, and I don't know if there I you go. said, you know, uh, he plays right. Shamda. He's the elder uh, statesman in yeah, the yeah. group on the uh-huh. one planet. Yep. Uh, he is an American actor of Greek descent. He apparently founded the Front Street Theater in Memphis, Tennessee, way back in 1958. Oh, and cool. it was a leader, and maybe it still is a leader in the region for uh, theaters and such. It's done a lot of dramas and comedies and musicals and all of that stuff. Now, mm-hmm. this is not technically his first time on Stargate SG-1. We saw okay. him way back in season two. He played the character Pyrus in the episode Need. I don't uh, remember. Need? 
<laughs> Need is the episode where Dr. Jackson uh, becomes addicted to the sarcophagus. Oh! And Pyrus is the old man uh, who is the leader of that community, and it's his daughter that falls in love with uh, Jackson and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah! Oh, that's so, fun. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for that. And he that, returns that, that here. Yeah, fun. Um, so, uh, George's first IMDb came way back in 1973 uh, in the TV series Police Surgeon. He mm. played uh, Katarumarus Katram- uh, in the episode Dangerous Windfall. Oh, okay. So, mm. I don't know anything about any of that, but those are the words that came out of my mouth. Next time on Police Surgeon, there's a dangerous windfall, Ooh. and Cotteromarus is the only man who can stop it. Uh, could be. <laughs> could be. <laughs> um, Although maybe he was guest acting, so. And Cotteromarus caused it. Ah! Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, we have uh, Kevin uh, Ach- Achi. Achi. Uh, he plays Oshu, the uh, first prime of <laughs> yes. uh, uh, Lord Yu. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I pulled straight from IMDb, but it was, according to IMDb, pulled straight from his website. No, I didn't go and check the official website. But here it is. Born and raised in a suburb of Vancouver, Kevin discovered his love of performing for an eighth from an eighth grade drama class. Known for his diversity, his talent emerged as an adolescent. I suppose I am the ham in my family. I figured someone had to be, jokes a jubilant uh, Kevin. Idolizing <laughs> film greats such as Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, Kevin discovered a world forged by dedication to craft and integrity to character. In college, he began intense years of studying with as many teachers and coaches as he could find to help hone his craft. He first broke the ice with a role in Christoph Gans' Brotherhood of the Wolf, Crying Freeman. Uh, Christoph Gans' Crying Freeman, he did also Brotherhood of the Wolf. I think Mm -hmm. that's what it is. Uh, From there, this versatile actor has contributed a repertoire of work, including roles on Smallville, Stargate, Need for Speed, and Race to Mars. Mm -hmm. Today, this third-generation Japanese-Canadian actor is crossing stereotypical boundaries professionally. An on-screen imposing physical presence, Kevin has worked alongside the likes of Morgan Freeman, Jeff Daniels, uh, Lothair Bluto, and Joshua Jackson. Did I pronounce mm-hmm. that right? I don't know. Probably. Always willing to assist aspiring filmmakers and the continuance of art, he has supported independent film and sat on the executive boards of the Vancouver Asian Film Festival and the Powell Street Festival. Written up in numerous magazines and trade journals, Ochi's, uh dedication of art through film serves as a role model to many. Yeah. There you nice. go. We will see Ashu, the first prime of Lord Yu, again. And not Good. just in next week's To Be Continued. Ah, uh, you. You! Are you talking about me, or are you talking about you? I'm talking about you. You, okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, his first IMDB credit was Crying Freeman. 
1995, and he played a character, Takeshi Shimaz- Shimazaki. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything else about that, but there, there nope. you go. There you go. And then we have Charles Singh, uh, who plays Cordeeb. Uh, this is the the young man leader of the people on uh, the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is an actor and producer known for Colossal, The Imagination of Dr. Parnassus, oh, yeah. and uh, Stargate. His Very first good. IMDb credit was in 2000 in the TV series Hollywood Off-Ramp, mm-hmm. uh, where he plays the character of Raj in the episode titled An Eye for an Eye. There you go. Okay. There you go. Okay. So, this air episode, Fallen, originally aired on June 13, 2003, in both the U.S. and the U.K. Um, ah. They joined forces again to release things at the same time. Uh-huh. Don't worry, because halfway through the season, they'll split it up again. Oh, dang it. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Oh, the glorious days before the proliferation of, like, well, BitTorrents were starting to become a thing. Nah, this uh, is real early BitTorrent time, but... Oh, you know, BitTorrents were a big thing in 2003. Um, yeah, 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 I think, yes, yes. Yeah. LimeWire, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yep, yep, and others. Kazaa. Kazaa, mm-hmm. I, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with some of these. Yes. Now, this episode aired less than three months after the season six finale aired. Right. So there's very little time between the ending of that and the beginning of this in terms of what we as an audience see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, this episode and episode two of season seven were both aired on the same day. Oh, well, that'll make next week's uh so on this day thing a little easier. All of this stuff is going to be uh, referred to last week. Yep. Uh, now, number one on the charts in the U.S., they were listening to 21 Questions by 50 Cent featuring Nate Dogg. Hmm. And in the U.K., they were listening to Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. I know that song. I don't. Uh, I, I don't know I know it. Yeah, I, you might not know this one. Because while it was popular, I'm not sure if it was. I don't know. I, I, it's playing in my head right now. So, so, so what are we listening to as we listen to "Bring Me to Life"? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's. How best to describe it? It's, it's, it's metal. It's power metal. It's, it's melodic metal. Um, and so I'm hearing lead, it's metal. Yep, the lead is a. Uh, is a very powerful woman vocalist, uh, and this song features her like uh, what's the low soprano range? I can't remember, it, but you know, the one between that maybe that's it. Yeah, but she's like super strong right now. She's bang. She'll just knock you over with her voice. So, um, uh, so it's like three minutes of her just like like belting it out with cool. with heavy guitars behind her. Cool. Well. When you're talking about bringing me to life, there is really no other thing that you can talk about besides finding Nemo, because Nemo is searching for his mom, his dad, his brother, I don't know, somebody, and he's hoping that, that his family is not dead. He's like, bring him back to life, bring him in. Okay, now, uh, 
What happens in Finding Nemo is that he's zipping around things, and that's just too fast and too furious for the ocean. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Which also asks the question, <laughs> bring me back to life, uh, because that's just the way that this goes. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. Bruce Almighty talks to God, and he makes things bring me back to life. Rugrats go wild? Well, you know, if Rugrats are going wild, then there's... I got nothing but Hollywood Homicide is number five. And if there's death, then there's definitely somebody asking to bring me back to life. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they're brilliant. And sometimes... Go through the blender three times. <laughs> good effort. Good effort, Zach. Which one is this Really one? good effort. <laughs> this, this was a blender one. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, maybe it makes a really nice smoothie. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> you get some fish and some car parts and a person who thinks he's God and a cartoon child Along with Hollywood Homicide, that is not a good smoothie. <laughs> you know, you add enough rum and sugar, and you'll cover everything over. You'll just cover everything. You, you won't even notice it. Oh, uh, my goodness. So. Good. Good stuff. With all of that, what was happening at this time in 2003? Well, mm -hmm. on June 2nd, Europe launches its first voyage to another planet. The other planet being mm. Mars. Mm -hmm. It is the European Space Agency's Mars Express Probe, which launches from uh, the Baikonur Space Center in Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. Okay. A couple of days later, on June 5, there is a severe heat wave across Pakistan and India, which reaches its peak as temperatures exceed 50 degrees Celsius. And for Oof. those of you in the United States who don't know what Celsius is... That is 120 degrees, 20, 22 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's pretty dang hot. Oof. That is hot enough to start cooking things. Uh-huh. Yikes. On June 10th, the Spirit rover is launched, beginning NASA's mm -hmm. Mars Exploration Rover mission. Mm-hmm. So, also on the 10th, Wicked, uh, the musical... Uh, officially opens at the Curran Theater in San Francisco. Edina ah. mm -hmm. um, Menzel uh, and uh, Kristen Chenoweth are the stars of Wicked. Mm -hmm. Wicked is a story about the Wicked Witch of the West and how her nemesis, that uh, Glenda person, really messes things up for her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on June 15th, the NBA Finals that year comes to a close when the San Antonio Spurs beat the New Jersey Nets 88-77 in Game 6 for franchise's second title. Mm -hmm. The MVP of that uh, game or series was Tim Duncan. Yep. Okay. There you have it. Mm-hmm. Trivia. Uh, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, when O'Neill and Daniel are in the locker room and they're having their moment in the locker room, uh, mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. of the names on one of the lockers and some of the other lockers are members of the crew, including uh, Jim Menard, which is actually one that you can see if you stop it. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jim Menard is the cinematographer for the series. Gotcha. Nice. 
Um, now, this is the Star Wars episode. Yeah, this is, you this think? is the episode where it says, we're going to rip off Star Wars, and we're going to put a lantern on that and say, hey, everybody, we're going to rip off Star Wars. And if you weren't certain what we were going to rip off, it's going to be Star Wars. Yeah. Thermal exhaust port. Um, and, of course, we get this, one of those spots is when O'Neill says to Carter, and they're, as they're on the F-302, I thought we were going to go with Red Leader on this one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, you know, this is actually one of... The, I remember watching this episode for the first time back in 2003, and I just delighted in the uh, the the clear homage and stealing of Star Wars, which is a fan movie, uh, a favorite movie of mine, yep. um, because it, they know exactly what they're doing, it, and they're doing it intentionally, and it works, and it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that, that's that's a little hint on myself. There. <laughs> um, then uh, the the name that Doctor Jackson gets, uh, Aram, uh, on mm-hmm. the planet means naked one. They say. Well, mm-hmm. in Hebrew, it actually means naked. So, uh-huh. there you go. Uh huh. Yep. Um, I do have a couple of quotes here. The first quote mm-hmm. here is uh, from Michael Shanks. I had several quotes, but I uh, had to trim it down to ones that uh, I didn't felt feel spoiled too much of stuff. So, ah, okay. Good. Now, Thank listen. You. What I've been told, uh, what I've agreed to when talking to Rob Cooper, is that it can't be that Daniel comes back and everything goes back to the way it was before he left, because that would mean the show wasted a year evolving in a different direction without him. It also means the character wasted a year not evolving properly as well. I think there has to be some sort of evolution or change to Daniel when he comes back. It certainly needs to be so in order to justify why he's left the Ascended. We needed to know how he feels about them, about the universe, how he feels about being back, what his future plans are now, and what he wants to pursue. We both agreed that Daniel would be more intense, more restive, and less satisfied. Uh, he would be less inclined to smooth things over and would stop putting his faith in the hope that things will just turn out all right. He has suspicions about the ancients now, about the ascended ones. They might not be who he thought they were, and he realizes that he has to learn to be more human than he was before. He has to be less of a thinking man and want to move forward, to take action that makes a difference. I don't mean that he should lose that introspective quality, just that he needs to be stronger to follow through, not just to be content to sit back and wait. Mm-hmm. So that is Michael Shanks's uh, comments. This was in an interview via Stargate SG-1 Solutions, um, and I found this on GateWorld. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another quote from Joseph Malazzi. Uh, Before work began on the show's seventh season, I emailed Rob Cooper a notion notion I had of an angel cast down from heaven, stripped of his memories, and left to start a new life on Earth. Rob ended up taking that whole stripped thing literally, much to the the delight of Michael Shanks' fans. (laughs) He continues... Paul, that's Paul Mully, flagged an exchange at the script stage. Uh, One off-worlder notes Teal'c's presence with he is Jaffa, 
To which O'Neill replies, no, but he plays one on TV. Paul felt it broke the fourth wall, but was ultimately overruled. When the episode aired, many fans loved the exchange, while many others followed suit and waved their own red flags. Yeah. Stick a pin in that one. I, I don't know what I feel about that. Uh, I mean, it was just kind of a fun moment, and it, it also breaks that fourth wall in some way. Mm-hmm. Now, this episode, in other languages, the titles in French is Return to the Origins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Italian is The Fall, Spanish Fallen. Uh, Hungarian is The Fallen Angel. Mm-hmm. The Czech says Return of the Lost Son. Oh, Which yeah, is okay. kind of a bonk bonk on the head, but since bonk, bonk, you bonk. see uh, Michael Shanks <laughs> and Daniel Jackson in, like, the first 20 seconds, it's maybe not too bad. Yeah. Uh, and the Germans call this episode Go For Broke, part one. Ooh! Oh, the Germans with the title that doesn't reveal anything. I know. Wow. Alles auf eine Karte, Teil huh? eins. Ah, okay. All right. Well done. There you go. Brett, are you ready for the synopsis for episode one, season seven? Yes. Yes. Let's do it. Here we go. It is a dark and stormy day. It's a dark and stormy day. Four men wander the ancient ruins. The oldest, Shamda, tells the others a pithy fable uh, with an appropriately pithy moral for the, well, it's more than once. As they wander, they come across an unusual sight. A man, buck naked, curled up in the fetal position, just lying there in the middle of a series of ruins. Who are you, they ask. I don't know, he responds. Of course, we know that it's Dr. Daniel Jackson returned to human form after something clearly happened, but we don't know what that is, and we hope that we'll find out. But for now, we're just really excited that Dr. Jackson is back. Woohoo! And he's buck naked. Woo! He's... he's <laughs> He's naked. All right. He's got uh, clothes on. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't driven to excitement from the, from the, from, from seeing Michael Shanks on a set without any clothes on. But I can imagine, I can definitely appreciate people who would be like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> I, um, I, I fall into that same cat category yeah. of as you uh i'm like there he is there it is okay everybody moving on. everybody who had a good everybody who had a great time with that scene uh, i mm, have i i'm happy that you've had a great time with that scene that's that's fun because that because yeah that was that was that was that was that was a naked that was a naked michael shanks indeed it was now i was just thinking here that if we ever do get to a point where we do video podcasting or whatnot Mm-hmm. People will be excited about this point because whenever I do these read-throughs, I tend to use my hands. Oh, and my hands see, are not just, even I you know just that. kind of doing all of these wavings, and and it makes for great <laughs> podcast listening. <laughs> Let me tell you. Well, I'm imagining you like Kermit now, <laughs> mm. just hands waving in the air. Wow. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that if you listen carefully, you can hear the wind fly by the microphone. (laughs) Very nice. Shall we get back to the synopsis? Yes. Yes, please. 
back at the SGC, Jonas is trying to translate that ancient tablet that Daniel helped him find on Abydos in the Season 6 finale. He references a couple of resources from his shelf, and all of a sudden, Eureka! He's got it! Bolting through the halls, he shouts with joy, not stopping to plow through anybody. He just goes, boom, just breaks. People like Tyler, I mean, <laughs> Siler. Uh, the elevator on the 28th floor, he takes that. Hi, Martin Wood. Oh, now I understand what it's like to act against someone who's eating food all the time. I get it, and I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, where's Major Carter? She's talking to the general. Okay, let's go to the general's office. I found it. It's not the Lost City. I mean, th th that's crazy. How can you lose one of your own cities? It's just, it's not heard of. It's not the Lost City. It's the city of the lost. And, and it's almost certainly the last entry in the ancient repository of gate addresses, and that's where we should go. There you go. Well. So simple. So easy. Hammond is convinced. Let's go! So SG-1, along with SG-3 and SG-5, arrive on the planet. The last address in the repository of the ancient stuff. They meet a group of people who seem to be quasi-nomadic, but have quasi-settled some among some of the ancient ruins on this planet. And that old guy who likes stories confronts these strangers, and sure enough, O'Neill and the old guy develop a healthy relationship because, you know, birds of a feather flocking and such. Togetherness. Together. Yes. Anyway, SG-3 runs into a villager on the outskirts of the settlement and is surprised to see that this villager is none other than Dr. Daniel Jackson himself. Ba-da-ba-da. They escort him to the settlement and introduce O'Neill and his team to their old friend. Of course, their old friend doesn't recognize them at all, and the people call him Aram because when they found him, he was, you guessed it, buck naked. <laughs> this is going to be a theme. <laughs> at the end, we're going to be talking about Anubis and how he was... Uh, that, I just want to point out that originally the script said that when Jackson and O'Neill have their nice moment of talking about things in the locker room, it was originally supposed to be like coming out of the showers. And then they decided, no, that, that's, that's, that's too much buck naked. And so they moved it to where it is. <laughs> too much. Too much buck naked Jackson. <laughs> Again, the same people that were very happy about that first scene were like, no, 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 no. There is no such thing. <laughs> Indeed. So, Jackson, Aram, if you will, enters his tent, and O'Neill follows and attempts to jog his memory about who he is. Uh, this is not the kind of jogging of memory that Fezzik does in Princess Bride, just so you know. It's safe. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Uh, O'Neill explains that Daniel was once ascended and that he must have descended somehow after he wasn't able, wasn't able to use his powers to defeat Anubis in the previous episode. Clearly, it's, it's Jackson looks at Jim, I mean Jack, uh, like he's kind of crazy and asks to be left alone. Carter soon enters to try her hand at jogging the archaeologist's memory, Jackson was a pretty cool dude that had a big heart for people and wanted those people around him, whomever they are, to experience their best selves. You rock, Dr. Jackson! You're awesome! The doctor admits that it doesn't sound too bad, but also is kind of a daunting act to follow? 
Do I really want to know who that guy is? Because that guy looks cool, and I don't know if I'm that cool. Sam invites Daniel to come with him back to Earth to find out for himself who he really is. And when the time comes for SG-1 to return home, sure enough, Jackson makes that decision to join them back on Earth. O'Neill takes him to his old quarters. Jackson doesn't recognize anything, but he seems to want to learn about who he is. He sees a picture of Charay and recognizes that she's important to him. I mean, she must be important to him. He's got a picture of her by his bed. I mean, O'Neill invites his friend to try to figure out who she is on his own and leaves him alone. Eventually, he falls asleep, and when he wakes up, he looks for a friend to talk to. Not knowing who to go to, he goes to Teal'c's door and he knocks. And the two reconnect. Daniel has remembered his wife's name and asks Teal'c where she is. His look tells him everything. She's dead. By the way, apparently a side effect of taking Tritonin is an inability to Kelnarim. Who knew? Anyway, uh, Jackson wants to know more about his past and he especially wants to know who Anubis is and why he'd risk all of this to try to stop the Gould system lord. Tilk speculates that perhaps this is happening to him because Omidasala struggles to play by the rules herself and wanted to give him a fighting chance to discover all that he lost. Who knows? We'll find out next time, or maybe not next time, but we might not. Who knows? The next day, SG-1 is in the briefing room with the general. Jonas is reporting on the initial scans of Visuban. Visuban, that's the name of the planet. I couldn't remember that earlier, but I have it written down here. It's Visuban. Uh, and the ancient <laughs> ruins and all of that stuff that they discovered Daniel. Okay. Daniel enters, and he wants to join the briefing. He would have been there on time, but he forgot what time it started. You know, that, that's a little bit of a memory humor thing. <laughs> That's real good. Okay. Anyway, and uh, the, the general allows Jackson to join them, and here is what we learn at this briefing. Despite using the translation of the tablet to find Visubon and Daniel, it's wrong. The table does not read City of the Lost. It reads Lost City, or the city that they made lost. There are no cool weapons or tech on Visuban. Sorry, Jack. And just to be clear, number three, the Lost City is still lost. Also, Anubis is still kicking all the butts of all the Gulwolds, and they still have no way of stopping him because there are no cool weapons or tech on Visuban. And finally, O'Neill wants everybody to turn away so he can beat the living tar out of Daniel Jackson and have no witnesses. Okay. Later, Jonas visits Daniel, and he has an idea. Okay. We're just going to sum it up here. Let's make a fake tablet that lures Anubis to Visuban. Then we can fly an F-302 to the mothership. Then, after a really quick jaunt through the Noquadrio-powered hyperspace, we'll be able to fly through the shaft and shoot some missiles and hit the right spot, starting a chain reaction that will destroy the superweapon. Of course, this wacky plan isn't wacky enough, so let's just add yet another layer of wackiness. Because we don't really know how exactly where the exhaust port is, we'll need to steal the plans of the Death Star. I, I mean, Anubis's mothership by sneaking onto said mothership after it's in orbit around Visuban and sending the needed information to the pilot of the aforementioned F-302. Of course, this 
doesn't conclude with the wackiness of the wacky, since this plan will only destroy the superweapon, which admittedly is a good outcome, but the rest of the ship will still be intact and will need to be dealt with. So, enter Lord Yu and the remainder of the System Lord's fleet to jump into orbit and take out Anubis's ship, thereby eliminating the threat of Anubis once and for all for the whole galaxy. Whew. <laughs> One week later, they have everything set up and ready to go. And, wonder of wonders, the plan works! Well, it, 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 it kind of works. Well, something's happened. They do succeed at destroying the superweapon. Yay! But, you decides to send the System Lord fleet in the opposite direction, so Anubis' ship is not all blowed up, which actually turns out to be a good thing because Jonas and Daniel are stuck on said ship and cannot get off, and it's even worse for Jonas because he gets captured by Anubis and Daniel is just stuck doing the the uh, the diehard walking through the, the, the John McClane <laughs> thing in the, the, the air ducts of things. Anubis begins to interrogate Jonas along with the threat of sticking one of those giant spiky let-me-download-your-brain-into-my-computer-balls into his brain. <laughs> and with the mind probe looming over the fifth member of SG-1, to be continued. Oh, no! To be continued! Indeed. So, Brent. Yeah. This may... W is this the first time that we have done just the, the first part of a two-parter? I think so. Well, with this cliffhanger hanging above your head, <laughs> what did you think of Fallen? <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, when, when, when they were going mid, mid in the middle part of the episode, when they were going over their plans to, uh, attack Anubis's new fantastic ship. And they brought about the plan to use the thermal ports. And I'm like, what? Really? And uh, I then recalled the line that uh, O'Neill said about, uh, about our good friend Teal'c, where he's not really a Jaffa, he just plays one on TV. And I was thinking that that was breaking the fourth wall pretty hard. And I, 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 when that line was uttered, I thought there was another thing that kind of had been thrown in there even before that that seemed to break that fourth wall a little bit. I just can't remember what it was right off, right off the top of my head. Um, right there in that middle one, I was, I was like, I, I was, I was conflicted about how to feel about it. Uh, clearly I'm excited to get back into the swing of things and season seven, here we go. And Daniel Jackson is back. That's a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, the, the star Wars homage was a bit too heavy and there was just enough winking at the camera that was being done that made me like kind of look at it from the corner of my eye. Like not like I'm worried that the show is going in a weird direction or anything, but just more like y'all were really, really happy to be on set. Weren't you? <laughs> Cause, uh, because getting the band back together again, definitely was seeping through, even though um, there was plenty of you know drama in this episode. By a long shot. Uh, but as a result, there was a couple of things that kind of like, I, I I guess didn't quite make sense until you were kind of rereading the synopsis. And then one of the quick, easy ones was that it wasn't clear to me that Daniel was actually no longer ascended. It was clear to me that something happened. 
It was clear to me he got kicked out of something. It was very clear to me that he didn't know who he was. I mean, there was a lot about it that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, big deal has happened. Mm-hmm. The return of Michael Shanks as Daniel Jackson is upon us. Um, I was actually pretty impressed with how good of a job they did with us with scenes that couldn't be anything but exposition at the beginning when when Daniel was in the tent and O'Neill visited him and then Carter visited him. Um, it was a whole lot of talking. Yes. And uh, uh, even to the point where like Sam basically says it like in the line. How about we stop talking about it and actually show you? Um, which again was kind of a fourth wall breaker, uh, but not bad. It wasn't bad. It was just, it was just the first third I felt was doing an awful lot of work, mostly successfully in reintroducing a new Daniel Jackson Mm -hmm. and Michael Shanks did a fantastic job acting in a way that made me understand they aren't bringing plain old Daniel back probably lots about him is going to be back for sure but they they did a good job driving the point home this is a different person now and we'll discover it we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that works um I'm excited because I trust the uh story writers I trust the directors and I trust the actors at this point um, but you know, it could, it could, it could totally flop possibly, but here we are different, different Daniel Jackson, the same and different same time. And that was, that was, that was done pretty darn well. Uh, the whole let's blow up the death star thing was it, it became enjoyable. Once I heard the red leader line, um, like when they said that, then I realized, oh, they're doing an homage. They're not like literally trying to lift <laughs> Star Wars and <laughs> hope nobody notices. <laughs> right. Um, uh, and and then yeah, boy, did they have some? They had a lot of visuals that were absolutely direct references to how A New Hope was filmed. Yeah. And I don't know if they use miniatures in the same way, and I don't know if they use the camera in the same way. Um, that a new hope did, but they certainly were, were getting these shots that echoed that feeling quite, quite down to the point. And, uh, I'm glad that they didn't have the missiles, like do this, like sharp 90 degree turn, like (laughs) they do in a new hope. But, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, they really, they really nailed that feeling down when it came time to attack Anubis's ship. That's for sure. And, I'm realizing that I'm kind of ping-ponging around right now, partly because there was a lot going on in this episode now that I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it. Uh both both within and without the story. Um I really hope that Corin Nemec is given a good send-off. Like, um somehow. And I don't know really know what I want. Like, I don't know if I want him to have like a hero's death. Or if I want him to be written in a way that gives me hope that I'll be seeing him from time to time. Um, actually, I, I, I really don't know how I feel about it. Uh, it. Because on one hand, I think I would rather see kind of like a Band-Aid thing. Where it's like, I believe that it would be most respectful to the person to say, you were in, you were a title actor for this show. And now you are no longer a title actor. Now you're a guest actor. And instead of stringing you along, we're just going to do something and 
write you off, but write you off in a way that was way better than Tanith. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't take much to get better than that. Uh, yeah, I might have been picking the worst example there. Um, let's let's literally composite a shot of your face <laughs> on top of a canopy of a ship yeah. and drive you into the ground. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so like I, I I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that one, but for the for Corin Nimic the person, uh, and then that does translate into Jonas Quinn the character. But at the moment, this is kind of, this is kind of awkward. I mean, and I know they're trying to make it work with having, like, you know, having, having, you know, Jackson and Jackson Part Two, uh, be like buddy cops right now, and you know, we'll see how it goes. And it certainly did help that that, uh, you know, for the purposes of this story, a couple of angles of expert, a few angles of expertise, kind of coalesced into a particular moment. Uh, you've got uh, Jonas's ability to really handle language and information fast. You've got uh, Jackson's expertise in archaeology principally, and then Jackson's experiential uh, understanding of ancient information more, more, more recently. Mm-hmm. Landing in a single spot to try and keep moving this thing forward, which is fine. Um, but the big, big plan, you know, the blow, you know, blow up the ship with the exhaust port notwithstanding, like. There was definitely parts about it that I was just kind of like kind of cocking my head a little bit. Like they montaged their way through a big, big piece of story. Um, and it's fine. They did a good job with it. But that was a big piece of story that they montaged through. And it, you're pinning your hopes on the ability to plant a tablet with false information to send Anubis on a different angle and you're gonna do it by putting it in a planet like i get it the story demands that the situation resolves itself much more you know what i mean like i I understand the story demands that 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 anubis find it or maybe not but you know what i'm saying like you know like they're they're not gonna sit here and be all like you know which part of the entire planet should we put it in like we're not gonna worry about that detail but so that felt like that was moving a little bit fast for me and then we had the ship battle, and that was fun watching uh, watching watching Colonel Jack O'Neill, but you know, behind the 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 pilot seat again and taking care of business like the the master airman that he probably is. Uh, and we end with the we end with the cliffhanger of you know what's going to happen to Jonas, and then part of me is like, what's going to happen to Jonas? Because I know that you can only do so many things with a character that is a guest actor. So what are they going to do with him? <laughs> His plot armor is no longer there. Yeah, uh, you know how is that going to resolve? And and I'm interested about that. But so yeah, so there's a lot of different things that I just kind of ping ponged around, and it's generally trending positive. But there's definitely parts about it that felt like it kind of twisted its ankle on a couple of spots. So so I don't know. What about you? What do you think about this episode? So, um, to start, uh, this is an episode that, um. I was listening to the commentary, and Martin Wood said that uh, the first cut was like 11 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, So they had to cut out 11 minutes of stuff. Um, And even in my synopsis, I really truncated large chunks of that. Um, And I'm like, holy smokes, there's a lot that goes on in this episode. They cram this thing packed full of, of, of stuff. 
Uh, this is probably the type of story that if this were done today, uh, they would have taken about four episodes to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe mm -hmm. even five. Um, you know, it would have been a, a much longer, much broader uh, time frame because that's how stories and television is done today over and against uh, 20 years ago. Um, so they cram a whole lot of stuff in here. Uh, they and that requires them to just kind of hand wave over a lot of pieces to this. Um, you know, the whole thing, I'm like, well, let's create this tablet and then convince uh, Anubis to fall for it. And mm -hmm. lo and behold, Anubis falls for it. And we don't even, we don't even get to see a montage of them planting the tablet. I mean, it just like, and look, we just take as a given that he found the tablet and right. he's there. Um, you know, so there's a lot that is just crammed into this episode. Uh, there are times where it feels like uh, it's dancing on a razor's edge and it's not certain if it's going to get itself cut. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, it doesn't fall off that razor's edge. And to that, I say, that's awesome because... Mm -hmm. With all that's going on, that would be it would have been an easy thing to do, um, but I do think that it probably does kind of nick its feet just a little bit here and there. Um, uh, I do really like the I, I really appreciate the banter that uh, Shamda and O'Neill had there at the beginning. Um, you know that that back and forth with those little uh, words of wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, Apparently, that went on for quite a bit longer than that, but they had to cut it. <laughs> was it, do you know if it was written in the script? Uh, I, I suspect some of it was written in the script, and some of it was probably just those two guys being witty. I'm reminded of uh, Patton Oswald's uh, eight minute long uh, filibuster scene that he did for Parks and Rec, where he pitches like a, a, a new Star Wars Marvel mashup movie. It was really, oh. really, really good. If you have the chance to see the full uninterrupted eight-minute effort that he does, it is worth every single second. Uh, but that's why I asked that question, because if these two actors were just just, just spitballing <laughs> idioms back and forth at each <laughs> other, that would probably be pretty fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, it, it is exciting to see Daniel back. Uh, like mm -hmm. you, uh, it is really clear that this Daniel that has come back is definitely the same Daniel, but he's different. Um, and that's exciting. I like that. Mm -hmm. I thought they did a pretty mm -hmm. good job with that. Um, you know, the, the, the wink at the camera with, uh, but he plays one on TV, mm -hmm. um, plays well for me the first time. Um, but it doesn't, work as well in future watchings uh -huh. um you know it, uh, yeah. the the the, the one-liners that that he tosses out with shamda that works every time i just get a chuckle out of that every time yeah um but the nobody plays one on tv it's a little bit too bonk bonk on the head for let's be you know recognize that we're just a television series doing stuff and we're having fun yeah yeah. Um, on the flip side, uh, the Jack O'Neill that we know from Richard Dean Anderson uh, 
is precisely the type of person that would exactly say something like that. Oh, so yeah. So it was oh, totally yeah, yeah, yeah. in character. Um, so how do I play? I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, but it's not the awesomest. Right. Um, you know, I'm kind of all over the place, too, as I think about this stuff. Uh, I'm really interested to see, uh, like, the whole plan uh, really sets some things up. Um, most interestingly to me, and I'm surprised you didn't mention this, um, is uh, Lord Yu. Oh, uh, I for- totally forgot about your and, Lord And Yu. I'm just curious, before I say anything, I want to know what your comments or thoughts are about what we see in Lord Yu in this episode. Uh, so I can't help, and this might just be because television tropes are tropes for a reason, but I can't help but think that Yu is 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 actually still, like, good, as good as a system lord can be, and that this maneuver, which looks like it's a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a fickle uh, change of heart, is actually part of something else. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's a way to um, ferret out a spy in the ranks or something, right? Like I, I can't I can't help but think that there's probably going to be some kind of way that this is going to resolve at the end of it. That I'm going to go, <laughs> you, you, ah, you. Um, so I mean, it has yet to be seen, uh, but. I don't know. I was kind of hoping I was hoping for a bit more of a confrontation at the end of this episode. And maybe I'll get it at the end of next episode. I don't know. Um but it would have been nice to see uh the efforts of Earth and the efforts of the system lords going against Anubis. Uh, and maybe getting on the back foot, maybe that's how we continue. And you know what I mean? Like, like it would have been mm-hmm. kind of nice to see a bit more of a united front type of a thing. But that's I, you know, but I'm a sucker for united front stories. Um, so yeah, but uh, but I, I, you know, as I'm stammering and kind of walking around it and, and admitting that I forgot about Lord Yu, um, that is to kind of be a bit of a criticism of that part of the story. Like clearly. You know, I, I think I'm finding a bit of a theme as I'm sort of talking about the thing. Okay. And we've we've bounced on it a few times. There's a lot going on in this episode. And yes, you said it yourself. They had they were eleven minutes over budget that they had to find a way to cut out. And it it feels like a story that was conceived in a rush. And if it were not for this cast, and if it were not for this production crew. And if it were not for these storytellers, this episode probably would have just smeared on its face because there was too much going on. Um, the uh, I can't remember the name of the title where they, they had to move the Prometheus story forward and they ended up doing an awful lot of stuff, but they did it in a way that was just exposition after exposition after exposition. This was not that. Right. This was not just a litany of exposition to keep moving the story forward. There was plenty of action happening. They were showing us a lot of things, but they were showing us a lot of things. And so I'm feeling frazzled. I don't feel like this is a cogent story that has a cliffhanger. I just feel like I just got done watching like, you know, static for 43 minutes. And now I have 15 parts to kind of keep straight. 
Um, mm. And they're all pointing in similar directions. So it's not like it's a burden, but like, it's still, it's like, right. You know, you was, you was in league, but then isn't um, uh, Anubis has uh, Jonas Quinn. Daniel Jackson is trapped on the ship. Uh, the big bad weapon is, is neutralized. Uh, we have, um, we've got, uh, Tok'ra and earth forces, uh, you know, the very small Tok'ra presence and some earth presence on this planet. Uh, there's still a, uh, search for the lost city. We move that idea forward that it is a city that the ancients intended for it to be lost. Uh, thanks to the quotes, I'm getting a bit more information about where, uh, Daniel Jackson's relationship with the ancients are, but at, on screen, I don't really have much because he kind of forgot about a whole lot of things and I don't have a whole lot of information to go on. And holding it all together is the, you know, the, 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 the charm and class of our beloved characters as they're going through saving the universe. You know, do they, they live to save the, the, save the day, at, you know, again, or whatever that line was that, that Richard Dean Anderson uttered in the middle of the briefing, you know, that, right. And as the colonel is well aware, that's only the first part. Like, um, you know, so as a result of having too many ping pong balls bouncing around right now, I'm not feeling very good about this episode. I'm not feeling terrible about it, but like I'm sitting here like, gotcha. Yeah, I'm excited, too, that Stargate is is back. Uh, I'm excited that Daniel Jackson is back. There's a lot about it that I'm excited about, too, but that excitement isn't enough to make a good episode. Mm. And I think that freneticism is present in this episode as well. As I mentioned earlier, I could kind of get the vibe that everybody was happy to be back on set, like everybody. And it shows, and that's charming, but that's not real life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me refine that sentence. Um, <laughs> uh, if, if the events of Stargate SG-1 were actually things happening... Um, that kind of boisterousness wouldn't necessarily be present. <laughs> and so, and so it kind of distracted, um, it distracted in a kind of a fun way, but it still ended up as a distraction. And so in that regard, not particularly impressed, even though lots of people probably have an emotional response about this episode being very, very positive, like, yay, so many good things are happening. And it's like, it, it's true. Many things are happening. Lots of things are happening right now. So anyway, that was my thought. Well, there you go. My long <laughs> I remember um, when this episode aired, being excited about uh, what was going on. You know where they mm-hmm. were going. I suspect that that uh, I probably watched this episode and the next episode more or less back to back. Yeah, because uh, sure. they aired at the same time. Uh, and so, as I think about my recollections on this i'm probably recollecting um you know recollecting uh both these episodes together and you only have half of that right now yeah but um i remember this kind of basic feeling of um well this is interesting where are we going from here um you know so it's just like uh we just jumped on the roller coaster and we've gotten through that first corner you know um and I'm like, ooh, what's next? Uh, yep. That was kind of the feeling that I got uh, the first time around, and uh, and you know, you certainly get some of that even now this this time here, uh, watching it as well. Hmm. I think I might break my rule a little bit. Normally, I watch one episode 
a week. And but it is important to me to kind of get the experience to be similar to how it was perceived by the world when they were watching it. Right. So after we get done recording, I might watch that second episode like right away. And what it'll mean is that then I will have a lot of time to think about it between now and the next time we record, which is in a week, which probably is going to make things a little bit different for our show next week because I will have had time to kind of brew on it Yeah. versus what I actually like doing, which is literally only having a bit of time to, to, to digest the information as presented and then react and then tell you how I felt about it and tell you how I'm thinking about it. So next week's episode might be different by that measure alone. However... Um, if, if the majority of people who watched this series, uh, had season seven, episodes one and two, more or less back to back, then I wonder if that's going to help smooth over some of these storytelling burrs that I'm currently hitting. Cause if I imagine this, not as a 43 minute television show, but an hour and a half, Mm -hmm. uh, then yeah, the first half was bumpy. And then maybe the second half is where it all kind of comes together. So I would like to, I'm probably going to end up doing that. But unfortunately, all y'all are going to have to wait to hear what I have to say until next week. (laughs) (laughs) To be continued. uh, I think that's an interesting place to end our conversation. (laughs) Uh, There's certainly more that could be had. Um, This is a Christmas Day recording. That's Um, right. And so for those of you who celebrate Christmas, I say Merry Christmas. Yes. For those of you who don't, I say I hope you have a wonderful day, whatever it happens to be. Yes. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Um, But that also means that I had a very long Christmas Eve with, uh, you know, my occupation and job. And so I am a little bit on the tired side. Um, the, the caffeine of, of the coffee is starting to wear off. All right. Well, then let's bring it on in. So let's just, just just drive this thing on in. All right. I'm going to turn the wheel hard right and smash <laughs> into whatever happens to be there. And you're going to tell me how many chevrons this episode gets. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, boy, there's a lot of fun things about this episode. There really, really are. However, friends, you know me. You know me well by now. I like good story. I think these things live or die on their story. And in this one, right now, there are a whole lot of stuff going on right now. There's just mishmash everywhere. I'm not that impressed with the story right now. Lots of fun things happened. Lots of enjoyable things appeared on screen, not least of which Michael Shanks' face with his glasses on. It was great. But... I didn't really think that this episode gelled in the way that it should have. I get it. Half the reason it's not gelled is because they had to cut it up into a million pieces and try to reassemble it. Like I understand the whys, but it doesn't make it a good episode by that alone. I think that this is a five out of seven for me. I think it's a bit harsh. I do. I think that there's probably plenty of people that watch this episode and they are just really happy about what this episode represents. When they first watched it, they were excited to watch the next one, and so they just plowed right on through. And so when they watch this episode, they think about that with those happy jams. I'm looking at this going, well, I hear you, but they really were trying to rush a lot of stuff in this 43-minute time block, and they didn't really do that good of a job. They did a fine job of it as best they could, but it didn't work out as well as they've done other things. So for me, it's five chevrons out of seven. How about you, Zach? 
I am going to go ahead and give it a six. Um, mm-hmm. You are. It's not a perfect episode. Uh, and you can tell as you watch this uh, that that there was a lot more that was part of this episode that they had to cut for time. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, this would have served been served well with today's modern storytelling of actually having a lot of TV shows that are pretty close to that full hour mark, that 57, 58 minute mark. Um, that you get in, in more TV shows these days. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But in 2003, that wasn't an option. Uh, still, this was, I think, uh, a big flashbang for the beginning of season seven. Um, you know, this is kind of uh, the the beginning of a new chapter in SG-1. You were talking about that a few episodes back for us. Mm-hmm. Um and I, and I think you're right, it is, and this is just kind of a good way to just kind of, uh, you know, explode things onto the screen, and then let's spend some time sorting things out as we go. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a six. It's not a perfect seven in my book, but I do like it. It's a good one. All right. Nice. Now, we have several uh, predictions. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple myself here. All right. On the Twitters. So, so on Twitter, we've got Jacqueline. Oh. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, Jacqueline. Jacqueline says, I love season seven so much. No spoilers. But I'm going to say seven chevrons all around. Have a wonderful Christmas, guys. And that is a lovely, lovely greeting and thank and wish. Thank you so much. Alas, not sevens all around. No. And... Then we've got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. Welcome back, guys, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Why am I here again? Oh, yeah, that's right. Star Wars SG-1. (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie. I mean, episode. (laughs) I guess I'll head over to Facebook to explain why, since I'm already running out of characters. Stupid Twitter. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Uh, let's see here. Is there anything else? Nope, that's it. Okay, thank you so much for the Twittery stuff. Zach, over to you. All right. Well, I am pulling up. Okay, here we go. I'll have a couple of different places that I've got to go because they got stuck in different places. So let's start with Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Because Kevin started his uh, talk on Twitter. Hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. Wow, season seven. Seems like just yesterday I was listening to the little young and Brent talk about season one episodes <laughs> when he had no idea what was in store for him. Now here we are on season seven, which a strong argument can be made is the best season. We start the episode fallen with Daniel alive and then a major Wood cameo, that is to say Martin Wood, and we get the ball rolling on the Lost City, not wasting any time. This episode is awesome. Reassembles the core team. We get Lord Yu and even Offworld Hammond and Walter Radar Harriman. What Mm -hmm. more could you possibly want? Obviously getting Daniel back is important to the overall narrative unless he decides to go and die again. Uh, He has a habit of dying, after all. And now with Jonas captured, we'll have to tune in next week to see what happens. So happy you guys are back for a great season of Stargate. Sorry this is so long. Oh, yeah. Seven's all around. See you next week. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. 
Uh, the next one is from Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Uh, Adrian says, yes, finally, Daniel is back. But is it really him if he can't remember? Could this be the start of the Daniel clone saga? <gasps> oh, no. All right, you got to stop. We, we don't want to get slapped by Disney. I was going to... Uh, oh, man, I wish I could remember. There's this great... I can't remember. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. I'm derailing us for no good reason because I not only cannot remember the name of the composer, I can't remember the name of the song, but there is like this classical piece. Oh, Oh gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. And if you you can put the horns for the um uh uh the Empire March into this classical piece and it works great. It's hilarious. And there's plenty of videos of of tuba, of uh, trombone sections doing exactly that. All right. Never mind. Carry on. All right. Anyway, Adrian says, "Keep watching season 7 for now seven chevrons from both hosts." Wow. Uh nope. yes. <laughs> we have uh uh, Elio. 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 Uh, I, Elio. I, I'm going to struggle with that. I'll do the best I can. I'm sorry. But Elio. E-O. Uh, lots of jokes. What's not to like? Yes, there well, were. things can only go good for the good guys when the enemy's overlord prime, overlord prime Jaffa is stupid enough to allow three minutes of conversation when they should have shot everyone there. Also, I don't understand why the Prime Jaffa shot his ally. Uh, terror, maybe? I don't anyway, this first episode is just like Return of the Jedi when Luke Skywalker hits the Death Star's weakest point. Bonus, as they used the instability of the 302. Nice, Daniel is back. Bad, Jonas received his notice. Seems the ancients yeah. lost too many cities. <laughs> why yeah. put the information on a tablet, though? It gives, I give it a seven because Daniel is back and because of the action. Brent will give it a six. Uh, I say Brent will give those a six and five from a six and five. I don't know if he's going for a six or a five there. Maybe a six and a half. I don't know. Zach will give this a seven and a six. Uh, so he's giving us some, some wiggle rooms in there. Ah. Uh, by the way, they do receive salaries. Do they receive salaries for that? I think that's... Oh, I see what he's doing. Okay. I gotcha. <laughs> I'm a little slow. I'm slow. The, these are I'm our predictions it, so for I, this I, weekend I, next week. I, all I'm doing is just following along here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I do is I just read these things for the first time Oh, yeah. On oh, the yeah, air. me too. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so for this episode, you're predicting Brent gives it a six, and uh -huh. I give it a seven, and uh -huh. I get that. Awesome. There you go. Gotcha. All right. Thank you. Sean. Thank you, Elio. Sean says, Hi, this Sean. is a seven out of eight Chevron all around. Nice. I know Daniel's return wasn't a surprise for Brent, but hopefully his descension was. I did like yes. this episode, though. Uh... But I know there are better ones coming, so it doesn't get my eight this time around. Uh-huh, 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 okay. There you go. Wow, okay. okay. And we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Rowan says, Brent and Zach are back. And so is Daniel Jackson. <laughs> it uh -huh. turns out Oma dropped him off in literally the last place SG-1 we're planning to look. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> All right, Daniel, you screwed up bad. Where should I drop you off? All right. Oh, you got this list of 100. You're going to be 90 by the time they get back to you. This is a good spot. Dang it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Rowan continues, if not for a translation error. As Daniel tries to work out whether he ever hooked up with any of his old friends, hey, all I'm saying is the scene yeah. with Jack in the locker room is open to interpretation. Oh, that's a good point. The team devised <laughs> I mean, a plan to, to lure attack. Anubis to the not-so-lost city with a little help from their old buddy, Lord Yu. Mm-hmm. Fives from both because the story Ooh. feels rushed, but there are some good yes. character moments. And they're just so gosh darn happy to have Daniel back. Yeah. <laughs> this episode has been rated 8.4 on IMDb, which is a 5.5 on my IMDb to Chevron rating conversion ah, scale, putting yeah, okay. it in the top 25% of Stargate episodes overall. Yep, 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 yep. Well, Rowan, you got uh, Brent's prediction of a 5, and I mm-hmm. gave it a little bit of a bonus. Um, so. Little, little. Bonus Chevron. Um, okay. And then we have some emails. Very nice. The first email comes from Justin. Hi, Justin. Um, this is a lengthy one, and uh-huh. it's a season seven <laughs> episode one <laughs> prediction. He says, uh, instantly, for all you listeners out there, Justin is one of our good friends Yes. Um, uh, We do a lot with Justin uh, and such. He says, Mary walking through the Stargate Christmas special. A Uh review and ratings apropos for the holiday. Yes. Third string James uh... Spader translates something wrong enough to make Daniel lose his memory. (laughs) Translate something wrong enough to lose his memory. <laughs> I know it says turn left at Denny's. What? I don't remember who I am anymore. <laughs> you, you, you just tell me when you're ready and I'll continue. Carry on. Okay. At least Hammond probing the backside of Jack's uh, list gets mm-hmm. us to Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. The inhabitants are the Abydosian extras who discovered. Uh, blue dye before they found D2. <laughs> the naked Daniel Jackson harder. <laughs> so that would be uh, uh, D2. The naked Daniel Jackson harder. There you go. Jackson harder. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yep. <sighs> Since the first episode is contractually obligated to be X. Dream, we quickly yeah. discover that Daniel was sent back by his future self to delay the encounter with Anubis. So we come back to Egyptology Bath and beyond, where we discover that Daniel didn't lose his memory. Emo Desala made Oma Desala made it lost. Emo Desala. All right, he continues. Oh, this this Justin. is going off the rails real quick, Justin, but the, I love oh, it. that's his style. I'm just thinking out loud, but if we randomly omit information from a tablet and give it to our enemy, then they will take us to the MacGuffin, MacGuffin stealing trope with a villain playbook. Mm-hmm. 
I guess Jim's pessimism would probably get him shot in any military <laughs> structure, but as Commander Avanova from Babylon 5 said, it's a Russian thing. When we're about to do something stupid, we like to catalog the full extent of our stupidity for future reference. A hmm. voice in the wilderness part two. So, at least we know that Jack is taking relations with the Russian SG teams to heart. Ah, funny. You is necessary, but uh, a little dead at the moment. But don't worry, James Spader 2.0 and 3.0 have the skills, with a Z, uh, <laughs> to hacksaw the Guawuld using Cosmic Fortran while Red Leader plays X-Wing Alliance. Red, uh, Russian, has to be. There is no way they could rehash Return of the Jedi in 15 minutes. Edit. I saw the reactor exploding, and I swear they forgot to edit out Wedge's X-Wing. <laughs> uh, the the and, reactor and exploding the only... is definitely straight out of Return of the Jedi. Well, and the only reason why the episode ends with Jonas on the table, as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to swinging around some kind of sword, is they only they didn't have time for an extended battle. <laughs> Join me as Anubis and Jonas. No! I mean, I know I'm getting the movies mixed up, but anyway. All right, here Work we with me here, people. Work with me. We're mm. almost there. We're not there yet, but we're almost there. I'm okay, surprised okay. they could not use the ingenious tactic of shooting under the door to defend the server room. But then again, Jonas wouldn't be able to go all ghost in the machine. But mm -hmm. ending with Anubis's Darth Vader impersonation that came off more like a Star Fox 64 villain was a great place to cliff hang. <laughs> Extremely I think delightful. It's hang cliff. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm I'm following Justin's lead on silliness, and I should not do that. <laughs> yeah. So. Justin concludes, extremely delightful, but not extremely groundbreaking. Pair of sixes, unless the Christmas Bloody Mary helped Brent savor mm. the cheese. Yeah, yeah, that was some good Well, cheese, apparently that was nope. some really bad cheese, because that six didn't even get to that high of a six. No, no, no. You see, he, you see, Justin, Justin had the right idea, and I didn't do it. So oh. after we record, maybe I'll have myself some, uh, some nog. Ah. And then I'll be like, that was the best episode I've ever seen. There you go. We have Aunt Susie. Hi, Aunt Susie. Aunt Susie says, Daniel's back. Daniel's they could back. have had SG-1 read names from the phone book for the remainder of the hour, and I would still give <laughs> it a seven. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> but seriously... Daniel's back, and I couldn't be happier. Michael Shank's tabula rasa stare was unsettling, and his interpretation of Daniel's journey back to understanding was brilliant. Luckily, he had good friends to help him, though Samantha never got her warm and fuzzy moment with Ascended Daniel in Season 6. I was gratified that she was one of the one to convince Daniel to return to the SGC mm -hmm. to discover mm -hmm. his true self. Mm -hmm. Jack's... Do you recognize me now? Humor was spot on, especially with the callback to the movie and the hair of Jack O'Neill with only one L. Teal'c, as mm -hmm. always, strong and supportive, <laughs> probably had the most difficult revelations for Daniel, especially concerning his history with Sharae. I thought this was a great episode with significant building of the mythology for coming seasons. And did I mention Daniel's back? 
Uh, yes. I hope back. that Brent and Zach give it a 7 2. Mm. Well, sorry to disappoint. I'm sorry, Susie. I uh, did not go quite that <laughs> high, and Brent was grumpy today. I. <laughs> Uh, it's Christmas. I got to be a grump, right? Well, like, that's the rule? You know, you know, Brent, normally Christmas is my day to be grumpy. Uh, uh, yes. As a total <laughs> aside, uh, I was talking to Julie the other day, and uh, normally I'm always a grouch at Christmas. And uh, this year, I'm like, you know, I'm not kind of like... I, I, normally I dislike the Christmas season, and this year I'm just apathetic to the season. <laughs> and so Julie says you're making progress. <laughs> it's taken you a little while, but hey, hey, baby steps, baby steps. Uh, well, you know. All right, David. Hi, David. David says another season of Chevron encoding bias buffer jokes. Hooray! Oh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. At least this one was cogent, though. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, there it is. He says the return of da- Daniel Jackson. That's quickly sorted out and everything is back to normal, right, Jonas? Jonas, jo- why do you look so nervous? <laughs> anyway, story. Why do, you, why do you look like you've decided that uh, you're not going to be part of the show anymore, Jonas? <laughs> anyway, story. Love the Star Wars scene. Love the Lost City kickoff. Wasn't it nice for Oma, to, Oma DeSala to descend Daniel just to the right planet for the plot? So convenient. The episode is perfectly serviceable. Not bad, not great, but it gets things moving. Don't worry, Jonas. Things will be fine. Brent? Just fine. Five chevrons because he wanted more. Okay. And Zach? No, the other other direction. I wanted less. (laughs) Sometimes less is more. Sometimes less is more. Ah, yes. So what? So he got mine right. Yeah. What about you? And he says, for me, five and a half chevrons because ooh, ooh. he wanted more too, but knows he will get more next week. Aha. Okay. Okay. Very, very, very close. Uh, well done. Uh, and hey, hey, Jonas, I think Rob Cooper was looking for you. <laughs> hmm. Oh, hmm. boy. Tear jerker. Let me go here. Let me look here. Like uh, here, get my book of standard television tropes here. All right. So T T T T T tear 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 ducts tear gas. Here we go. Tear jerker. Jonas will meet his end in a blender. Oh no! My gosh, that's terrible. Oh my gosh! Is this your prediction of what's going to happen next week? I I don't know. We haven't gotten to that yet. Oh okay. Well, because we're at that spot. We could we could we could jump into it. Okay. Well. Okay. So, thank you everybody for your uh, great prediction. Yes. Appreciate that. <laughs> um. And next week, we will watch the episode Homecoming. Uh huh. And this is when homecoming. I ask you, my dear friend Brent, what mm-hmm. is Homecoming all about? Mm-hmm. And now, please okay. tell me all about Jonas and his blender. Okay. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. Wait a minute, they were just trapped on Anubis's ship. What happened? How did this whole thing get resolved? Alas, that's part of the mystery of this particular episode, because indeed the SG-1 team, including Dr. Daniel Jackson and minus Jonas Quinn, stepped through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. 
This is a world that is unlike any that they had been on before. It is a world full of confused individuals constantly vying for power and never seeming to be satisfied with what they have. This is a world of of backstabbing and a world of colossally stupid decisions constantly being made at every step of the way. This is a world where a regime is in place solely to impose rules because these people cannot be trusted to tie their own shoes. They have stepped into high school. Ah! That's the name of that's the name of the planet. The planet's name is, is, is High School. It's spelt a little bit different than what you think it is, but whatever. This planet is a terrible place that soon people will erupt from these walls and enjoy saying, I don't know where I'm going with that. But anyway, but they find themselves walking down hallways with strange contraptions that are clearly designed to entrap things and sometimes people. And a loud klaxon then rings hard and through the whole hallway and everybody pours out of rooms for no reason at all and suddenly find themselves going into other spots entirely. And they suddenly realize they have a social obligation to perform. It's indeed a ritualistic dance held every fall time across high school. They know it as the coming home. And so... Jack looks to Sam and says, well, we're obviously a pair. And Sam's like, sure, fine with me. And Teal'c looks at Daniel and goes, dude. And Jackson's like, dude. And they were like, yeah, dude. And they are a thing. And then, oh, 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 who's that over there? It's Jonas. Jonas is back. There's Jonas right there. And he's brought a date to the coming home, too. And it's a blender? What's he doing with a blender? Oh, dear. How is it? What? Jonas, don't put your hand in. Jonas, what are you doing? No! Join us <laughs> next time on Stargate SG-1, where we discover the fate of Jonas Quinn and his blender on Homecoming. Well, I will say that uh, it is true that we will find out what happens with Jonas Quinn next week. Does it involve a blender? I will say that it does. It involves Jonas Quinn. Okay. Now, <laughs> Anubis uh-huh. plays a role in this as well. And oh, okay. if Anubis is a blender, then yes, it definitely has a blender. <laughs> then it involves a blender named Anubis. <laughs> Shall we watch the promo and find out? Yes. Okay. Let's. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Where are we? Welcome home, Jonas Quinn. Little independence I'm unsure of the destructive power of this weapon. The blast radius from a single shot could conceivably encompass the entire city. If it does, you will have my congratulations. What is oh. the meaning of this? Lord Var. Where is your master? Why do you allow this Sholvar to appear before me? May I present the leaders okay. of the Turanian and the Andari peace delegations? Ambassador Savarin and Ambassador Noor. I will not listen to the words of a traitor. Then you will miss an opportunity to rid yourself of Anubis forever. Over a thousand alien soldiers in the city. 
Their weapons are more uh -oh. powerful than anything our forces have ever seen. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. Okay. 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 Holy cow. I didn't see any high school dances, though. Well, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So we get to we get to go back to Jonas's home planet, and then we're going to have a whole lot of action happening. Indeed. Indeed. Mm -hmm. So that is Homecoming, and we will learn more about that next week. And Brent, if he watches it right away, will have learned about it by the time you hear this. When, uh, yeah, with a little bit of nog. Mm. Yep. Ooh. Nice. So, with all of that, I say, tell us what you think. Uh, where did we yeah. get it right and wrong? Clearly, a lot of people thought we should give this a much higher number than we did. Um, but that's okay. Email us at walkingthestargate at gmail.com. <laughs> of course, go to Twitter at Stargate Walking, the Facebook pages, the Discords, all of those fun things. Yep. And with that, I say, happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. I'm Absolutely. Zach. I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. Friends, we are an independent podcast. And if you would like to support the... I hit a bunch of chords... And everything went flying everywhere. And Wow. Okay, good. I can still hear you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, like literally everything. Oh, that's why I can't hear myself anymore. I pulled out the plug to the mic. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Should we start this over again? Um... <laughs> I think I can just pick it up from it. We're an independent podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs>